What's up, y'all? I'm back. Welcome to well, another, welcome to another episode of I'm about to say cohort. Oh Jesus, under construction. Come on, man, get it together, man. Wake up, Rodney. Oh man, I'm your boy Rodney. You have Kaiser Sose to my right, and the angry black friend Jamal Darby to my bottom. Uh, Jamal, how you doing today, man? I'm doing wonderful, man. It's 68 degrees, wonderful weather here in the QC, man. Can't complain. I just need a Hornets win today, man. I'll be even better. Good luck on that. Uh, Kaza, how, right. how is, how's your day, man? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. It'd be nice if the Hornets could, could pull one out today. If it was a fifth. All right, guys. <laughs> Since the last show, Since the last show, the Hornets uh, were 2-2. Two and two. R- Refresh my memory. Did you guys cover the game before the Portland game or after? It was before the Portland. Before. It was okay. before because, because Negro Domus Kaiser called a victory. So yeah, it was before the game. Okay, so I stand corrected. We were we were two and two uh last week with uh wins over Portland and Cleveland uh two nights ago. Uh with a loss with losses at New York and Chicago, unfortunately. Guys, um what what is one thing that that, that you guys been seeing this past week? With the Hornets 500 week, uh, I'm I'm gonna throw one thing out there. Miles Bridges is absolutely blossoming out there, man. Yeah, you know what though? People are gonna act like this came out of nowhere, and it didn't. We saw flashes of this in Miles' previous seasons, even last yeah. season as a starter, and then last season he goes to the Rising Star game and just puts on a show, yep. gets MVP. And then there was, I don't know if you guys remember, not this summer, but last year, there were summer league clips of Miles Bridges doing crazy stuff. Like mm-hmm. Eurostep windmills and people were like, yeah, I remember that. who is this guy? The potential's all always been there. And a lot of people felt like he just needed some consistency. I'm not even sure if he just needed consistency. I think he just needed, you sometimes you just got to find your game. Yeah, uh, the biggest knock on Bridges coming out of college is that he settles for his outside shot too much. Uh, and remember, that was something we saw with Malik Monk. But I think of late, Miles been like, you know what? I can just dunk on anybody I, I really I want. If if you're in the way, you're gonna get piped on. And he's been able to find a better balance of being aggressive to the basket and then finding his spots to shoot the three. And um, I mean. Now, now James Borrego is going to have a, a good problem to have. Yeah. PJ on the bench when Gordon Hayward comes back. I mean, you, you can't not start Gordon Hayward, and then where does that leave Miles? Because then he's kind of playing out of position. So, um, yeah. But the ascension of Miles Bridges over this last, ever since he murdered Clint Capella, uh, <laughs> he's been averaging like twenty three points a game. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we've never questioned Miles Bridges' competitive nature. That, that's that been here since he's been a rookie. Um, like Kyle said, the only question we had with Miles Bridges is consistency. But, you know, the, I think the, the, the thing that, that I'm most impressed with Miles Bridges is that just that dog. Like, that guy would not let us lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers, man. Like, it, he, he basically took over that game and said, we're not losing today. If the Hornets had five more guys like that, man, we'd be way better off than what we are now. You know, this week, man, we're still marred by injuries. We're still marred by lack of scoring. But if Miles Bridges plays like that all the time,
time, which is what we're hoping for, we're going to be all right, man. And like Taz has said, man, we're going to have a very good problem to have when all the guys come back. And and at this point, man, I'm I'm I, I have to I have to concede a point. I'm tired of fighting it. PJ's got to go to the bench, man. You you can't stop. You can't not start Miles Bridges at this point. This guy's competitive nature is take could take us to heights that I'm ready for, man. So I mean, guys, um, one thing that that that, that kind of has stood out to me with Miles, man, he's getting to the free throw line more. Uh, that 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 was a concern of mine, like coming in because in college, in his first two years, he didn't get to the line. Um, right. A, another thing that's been shocking to me, man, his creation off the bounce, like he he's creating his own shot off the bounce. And then one other another thing is, man, he's creating for others. I've never seen this before, and and this is like. A, a complete revelation, like especially within a year where we had a COVID shortened off season, and I, it's I, I'm it's, it's just a it's just a, it's a spectacular thing watching his kind of game flourish at this point. Oh, and I'm gonna I'm push back. I'm gonna push back. I'm gonna push back. Why not start PJ Miles and Gordon? PJ at the five, Miles at the four, Gordon at the three. I mean, well, do, do, again, do we have a center on the roster? Well, well look, man, I, again, this is why it's a good problem to have, man. I mean, here's an example of here's, – here's a case you can make for not starting P.J. And, and, and this is just nitpicking, and this is me playing devil's advocate. You look at that Cleveland Cavaliers game, Jared Allen, who has a clear size advantage. I want to make that clear because I don't want to knock P.J., you know what I mean? Jared Allen got anything he wanted in that first half of that Cleveland Cavaliers game. Bismack Biyombo comes in and plays a, a, a little bit more minutes in the second half, and you don't really hear from Jared Allen that much in the second half. I know, I know, Charlotte Hornets fans don't like to give Bismack Biyombo credit for anything, and they're going to blame him for everything wrong. But you got to give Bismack some credit for what he did in the second half in containing Jared Allen. That's a case you can make for PJ Washington. Again, it's nitpicking, and it has more to do with lack of size. But, again, this is why it's a good problem to have. And, and James Borrego, who's been matchup-based, you know, um, since he's been the coach of the Hornets, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really see why you just can't just base, base it on matchup from game to game. And, and then also, man, like, it, 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 we don't win that game without P.J. at all, man. He scored 25. Yeah, no he, doubt. He, he was very effective as well, man. And, and, and honestly, I, I, I just think it's, it's a – Second year slump thing with him. Um, it's 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 going to be an interesting question, man. In the next couple of, of months, man, because both of those guys kind of play the same position, and both of them are have pretty good upside. And let me, but also let me push. I know what you're about to say, so let let me let me <laughs> offer some pushback. You can't. You also can't can't really forget about the fact that they also play well together. Yeah, they play a lot. Of the, they play the same position, and they, and they, you know, a lot of a lot of the game is similar. But I noticed that they also play very well together, man. So I'm not so sold on the fact that hey, you got to get rid of one, you got to make a decision. I, I'm really not so sold on that, honestly. Good point, Kazi. Think about it, man. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think you you find a way to make it work. PJ's actually done a pretty solid job at the five despite what we all think. I mean, that's not his natural position. Yeah. And for him to come in and he does a decent job of rim protection uh, and getting rebounds. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's just that offensively, it, 
you know, sometimes he has trouble finding his rhythm at the five. So, but I, having said that, I'm not a huge fan of the PJ at the five thing. Uh, I like small ball, but I just don't know if, if PJ uh, is, is that guy. I, I really think the Hornets need interior presence. They really do. It doesn't have to be an all-star interior presence, but they need interior presence. And sometimes right. PJ doesn't give that present um, like, like the Hornets need. So I, me personally, I'd start miles and bring PJ off the bench, give him that, that little bit of spark. But uh, like we said, that's a, that's a great problem to have. Yeah. And, and, and one, one thing I, I want to, one point I want to make as well, I think sometimes like, you know, we, we make too big of a deal out of who starts versus who sits. Um, the minutes are going to be there for whoever produces, man. It doesn't matter who starts, man. It's about who finishes the game. We've said that a million times with this LaMelo ball situation and the fans with that. We, we know how that went. But anywho, man, I just I, I think with the players that we have on this roster, um, another good thing about this locker room, I think a lot of these guys will just accept their roles, whatever they may be. We don't have a guy that's like, I deserve to start and I'm making this much money. So, it, 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 to me, it just doesn't matter, man. Guys, I, I got a question for you. So, uh, our, uh, so Vernon Carey was in the answer at the five? I mean, I was out last week. Uh, oh, what a shock. Man, I'm so shocked. <laughs> so, guys, so so we have a young guy on the bench. So, why isn't Vernon Carey playing? Like, I, 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 I've seen this question a lot w- w- within Hornets forums. Can you guys just just kind of explain why he is able to ask the question? The other night were upset that Javon and Carey started, but only played about five minutes, and then didn't play again, and they couldn't understand why. And my thing was, did you guys see that five minutes? Was I the only person watching the game? Hello. Did, I, maybe 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 I watch a different game. I don't uh, know. Listen. I- Go ahead, Kaza. No, I was just going to say, Vernon Carey has a lot to learn. And and the thing is, is the Hornets are trying to win games now. Yeah. They're not in the mode to where they can say, okay, we're going to lose anyway. So let's just let Vernon Carey go out there and, and learn by mistake. I don't – first of all, learn by mistake has never really been JB's thing. And it's a it, – it's not necessarily always a good thing to just let your guys go out there and make mistakes and and learn that way. Um, I think they're trying to win games, and Vernon Carey just he didn't give us the best chance to win the uh, the last two games, unfortunately. And thank God, Bismack Biombo decided he wanted to learn how to play basketball like the the day before, so or else we would have been in some real trouble against Cleveland. A couple of points I want to make, man. Uh, first things first, Rick Bennell sent out a tweet this morning basically saying that JB is going to go to an eight-man rotation and he's going to trust his veterans and, and he doesn't have time for experiments. I couldn't say it any better, man. Um, we don't this, – this team as it's constructed now does not have time to wait for a rookie to, to, to learn the NBA game on the fly. We are chasing a playoff spot. We are desperately trying to get out of that playing situation. So why in the world would JB or anybody else in his organization say, hey, you know what, let's let this rookie learn on the fly right now? It doesn't make any sense. Now, to the Knicks game where Vernon Carey starts the game, plays four or five minutes, and is quickly uh, uh, benched, 
if anybody looked at that first five minutes, Julius Randle was gonna was gonna score fifty, <laughs> and Vernon Carey stayed out there. And, and not and not only that, not only that, but the time that Vernon Carey has has been seen on the floor, whether it's garbage time, you know, whether it's against Brooklyn, whatever the case may be. I said this last week, man. Talent does not always equal that you're ready for the NBA game. And Kaza has said this plenty of times. The hardest thing to do for young players is to learn NBA defense. And that's what Vernon yeah. Carey is struggling with mightily. He gets lost on rotations. He doesn't know when to switch. He's always on the wrong guy. And that's things fans don't pay attention to, but things that are very important. And I don't know, again, like Kaza said, I don't know if people were watching the same game we were. He was clearly lost out there, man. I, I thoroughly agree. Hey, so, but I will say, I think next season. He'll be ready. Yeah. Be ready. Uh, we, yeah. we have a proper summer league in a preseason. I think he's going to take uh, a sizable jump. There's enough potential and enough flashes there to where yeah. I, I, JB sees that. The team, they see that. It's just not now is not the time. Right. What what is our what does our main man Jerry V say all the time? Like sometimes young players give you wild moments, and, mm-hmm. and and Vernon Carey gave us a wild moment, but it doesn't mean you're ready yet. And and like and and guys, we're not rooting for Vernon Carey to fail by any means. We're just saying simply saying he's not ready yet. And like Kyle said, I I can't wait until a full off season happens and these guys and these kids can really really learn the NBA game. I'm looking forward to the future with Vernon Carey, man. Gotcha, gotcha. Speaking of struggling, we have a veteran on our roster that has been struggling for the past three games. I think you know where I'm going with this. Devontae Graham on Friday night shot three for 16. The night okay. well, he shoots a bunch of threes, so it's okay, right? That's what everyone in the Hornets group is telling me. The night before, six for 14, and the game against New York, three for 10. And it's 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 been pretty bad. Uh, his saving grace is uh, that he's been getting other people involved within the game, guys. Man, so what's your prognosis on uh, Devontae Graham? I've 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 been saying this to me. He is a backup point guard in the NBA, like a high volume uh, Isaiah Thomas type of guy that can bring you that energy off the bench. What's your prognosis on uh, Devontae Graham? Hey, look, man, you, you you know you know I'm not a hot takey guy, but here's a hot take for you. Devontae Graham is losing himself some money, man. I've come to that conclusion. Um that honestly, man, you can't defend the shooting percentage. You just can't. I, as much as I love Devontae Graham and, and I love what he did for this team last season, I honestly see a bit of a regression. And I don't know if if it's due to injury or lack of training camp and all that stuff. You know, I want to be objective about it. But the reality is, man, he's not shooting the ball as well as we need him to, especially now with all the injuries that that are going on. Facilitating is cool. That's what his point guard is supposed to do. But let's be frank, y'all. We need Devontae Graham to get us buckets in in, in the state that we're in now. And he's not doing that, man. And, again, I don't know if it's because – I don't know what's going on with him, so to speak, man. But we need buckets from Devontae Graham. Facilitating defense, great. Put the ball in the hole. And if he's not going to do that this last, uh, you know, depending on the playoff situation, if he's not going to improve on that going forward, man, again, he might have to take a light deal or not be here next year. Gotcha. 
Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd be shocked if he wasn't here next year. But, um, yeah, but Devontae Graham is a high-volume shooter. He, he has to get a bunch of shots off. He has to to get in the rhythm. And uh, JB gives every – everyone's got green light, which is not something actually I'm a huge fan of, but everybody's got a green light. And I, I, I do not want the Martin Twins to have such a green light. But no, ahead, no. They need to have a yellow and an occasional <laughs> red. Yeah. red light. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, since Devontae's got that green light, there are some times where it affects his decision-making. He knows that no one's going to admonish him for, for taking a bad shot. And there are times late in games where – I'm like, dude, why would you shoot that? I, that's that's what I'm thinking. And but here's the the other reality about Devontae Graham. That's really the only way he can score. You know, when um, we talk about his shooting percentage, which actually is perfectly in line with what it was last season, around 38 uh, percent from the field and 37 percent from three. Um, the, the thing is, though, he really can't score in any other any other method. Uh, Remember when Kimball Walker could not score around the rim? And that right. was the biggest knock. And then he worked on that and worked on that. Yeah. And then the next season, he's an all-star because he he's able to manipulate the defense by getting in the lane and scoring. Yeah. Monte Graham has to develop that part of his game because if the three's not falling offensively, yeah, you gotta get to the bucket. We got nothing. Yeah. And, and to, to be fair, he can't he can't facilitate, he can make plays. Um, but that's probably a reason why he's better coming off the bench um, rather than starting. Now, like I said in the chat, we don't really have a choice right now. LaMelo Ball is out, and I don't really want to see LaMelo. I mean, I do want to see LaMelo Ball, but let's be honest, I'd rather they shut him down for the season. So we're probably you know, rolling with Devontae uh, through the rest of the season and the playoffs uh, if the Hornets make it. So. Also, the the pump face gotta go, man. He hasn't pumped. He doesn't pump fake as much as as he did when he was going through that bad shooting slump. But man, like if if you if you feel like you got a pump fake, then drop to the basket. But he knows that that's not that's not his game. He's he's got right. to shoot three. Right, guys. Speak. You, you mentioned Lamelo. Uh, he was this week. He was cleared to uh, do some some contact one on one drills. Uh, Unfortunately, we're gonna look like we're gonna bring him back. So, what? So, 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 how soon do you foresee him coming back? I was thinking today, but obviously not today. But when do you guys think Lamelo's coming back? I mean, there's no real way to tell, <laughs> man. I mean, not because Dan's Varego himself doesn't even have a timetable. Because trust me, Rick Bennell asked Dan's Varego every every post game conference. <laughs> that is the first thing Rick Bennell <laughs> asked Dan Borrego, and he doesn't have an answer for him, man. But I, I just I, I want the Hornets to just err on the side of caution. That that's it, man. There is no need for risking any long term health effects or future with Lamelo Ball. If 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 they need to shut him down for the rest of the season, which I don't think they're going to do, I I think they want him to play. Um, I, I think they they kind of look at him like, well, he's a nineteen year old guy, man. He'll be okay. So with that being said, man, if I had to guess and put an estimate on it, I'd say probably within the next week and a half we'll probably see Lamelo Ball, and that's just an educated guess. Yeah, if Lamelo Ball feels like he's ready to play, the Hornets would have to chain him up to the basement of the Spectrum Center to keep him off the court. I, I just don't. Yeah. I mean, the Mellow Ball 
is every night you used to look at him on the sidelines and you could tell it's just torturing him that he's not out there playing. And so if he feels like, all right, man, my wrist feels good. I'm ready to go. It's going to be hard to, to tell him no. Uh, having said that, though, a lot of times the reason that players get an injury history is because after that first injury, they're not in game-playing shape. Now, right. not, now uh, if they say there's no risk of re-injuring that wrist, that's great. But Lamelo Ball hasn't played basketball, competitive basketball in two months. He's not in. Sh- I know he's only nineteen, but he's not in shape. There's other things he can injure: hamstrings, uh, ankles. You know, why not just, just wait? Just wait. I just feel like you're talking about maybe the best pick we've had in 25, 25 years. years. Yeah. Just wait. He'll be fine. Michael Jordan missed the end. Well, actually, Michael Jordan came back. If it were me, yeah, I'd like to see the Hornets air on the side of caution. Like you said, I don't think they will. I foresee them being him being back next week, but it's really going to depend on how the standings shake out. If it looks like yeah. we have a chance to grab that sixth or six to fourth spot, I think he plays. If it looks like we're just going to have to play for the playing game, I think he sits until then. I, I, honestly, I'm look. I'm looking at the calendar now, man. I'm thinking next win this win, upcoming Wednesday versus Boston, or Saturday versus the Pistons at home. Uh, it's 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 coming. It's coming sooner or later. And speaking of injuries, man, we still got Malik, Gordon. They're out. Like so. I, I, I just don't know at this point, man. Yeah. No, and, and, and Kaiser brings up a point that you could kind of make for those players as well. Even when they come back, if and when they come back, they're still not going to be in basketball shape. So, I, I you know, I hope at, at some point when we have all these guys back, we can kind of low, we can kind of quell our expectations a little bit as far as, you know, how productive they are. Because we're going to talk about guys who haven't played basketball in two or three months. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, as much as we want them back, as much as we want what, what they bring us uh, uh, to the team, man, I, I don't know if, if our expectations can can uh, can be realistic, to tell you the truth, man. Now, Gordon Hayward, to me, is another story because you don't necessarily need his shooting all the time. Gordon Hayward is a playmaker. You know what I mean? Like, Gordon Hayward has a couple of du- double-digit assist games. So we can bring him back, and he can at least be that. And that's cool. We we may not need a bunch of scoring for him. Malik Monk, you want him to put the ball in the hole, nothing else. You don't want him playmaking. We, we don't look for anything else from Malik Monk. You, you get what I'm saying? So when these guys come back, man, I just say let's chill out a little bit and kind of <laughs> kind of lower our expectations a little bit. Guys, man. <laughs> guys, so next Thursday is the NFL draft. Our lovable Carolina Panthers are picking eighth right now so who do you want at the number eight position who do you think we'll get and who will you riot on mint street if we pick up um well you know there's talk that they're gonna trade the pick and so a lot of the mocks actually have us trading the pick and i would not be upset 
Me neither. If they trade the pick. I mean, you went and you got your the quarterback that you wanted. So, you know, the, the consensus was that Justin Fields might be available around then. And if he was available uh, around then, then you take him. Um, if he's not available, then you look at someone like Micah Parsons. The Panthers need linebackers. Um, there's really no offensive tackles in the first round that that would be available to the Panthers that really jump out. Um, I honestly, I'd like to see them trade that pick. I, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't think we need that many more offensive weapons, except for to shore up the offensive line. You got to work on the defense. I think that although we're weak on the back end, but I, I feel like we, the uh, the heart of the Carolina Panthers defense has always been the linebacking core. Always. Always going back to day one, um, we've got to fix that again. That that's what the Panthers do. So uh, Micah Thompson would be my pick if he's available at eight. Else, I'd like to see us trade the pick. Um, I, I think this is the perfect draft to pay, to trade that pick to, to in order to get more draft picks, and I think that's going to be uh, more of a reality because everything we've read about Scott Fitterer kind of points to us trading the pick. But I will say this. I will have my riot gear on, and I will have a lit pitchfork if we draft Matt Jones. I, I will be – y'all would need to set up an under-construction bail fund if they draft Matt Jones. That That is the one guy, like, they cannot draft. Sorry, man. Um, there's an offensive tackle that has actually been rising up in the mock drafts named Rashawn Slater. I don't know much about the young man except one thing. When he matched up against Chase Young a year, a season before, he completely shut him down. That's pretty impressive to me, man. And if you look at the mock drafts, he's actually been rising up a lot, man. But I just, I, I think this is this is going to be the draft we, where we trade down, man. And like like Kyle said, I'm not mad at that. If I had to kind of put a dream scenario, we trade that pick, we get two back. If we end up with somebody like a Rashawn Slater and a Michael Parsons, I'm good with that. Gotcha. For me, man, uh, if we stay at number eight, I want uh, Panay Sewell, Sewell, or I'm going to surprise you with his name, J.C. Horn. I think he's the best DB in the draft. Uh, I he's do, a, yeah. He's the son of Joe Horn, uh, corner from, from, from South Carolina. Um, man, look, I'm going to tell you this now. If we draft Mac Jones, I am going to Tepper's house, knocking on the door. And everything, and look, look. Even if we draft a wide receiver at number eight, I'll be pissed. Yeah, I'll I don't, I don't really want pissed. Jamar Chase or I, I just don't think we need a wide receiver unless unless you really feel like that's the best player available. Um, you know, that's something we haven't mentioned here. You always take the best player available, always, always, no matter what the position. And, and, and let's be let's be clear, man. We we might not need a Jamar Chase, but can't deny his talent, man. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That, that, dude, that, that dude might be a top three talent in his draft, uh, quite honestly. Yeah, a lot of the, the experts, though, have us trading to get an uh, offensive tackle. A lot of people don't think that uh, Sewell will be there. Um, and I'm one of those people. I don't think he'll right. be there. Yeah, a lot of people project him to go between three and five. Um, uh, however, uh, there is uh, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State and um, 
a lot of people have tied us to Christian Darisaw from Virginia Tech, who I don't know a lot about, but those are two two tackles. It's just that the, at the, in the first round, I, I, drafting for need a lot of times is a reach, and I don't want to yeah. see the Panthers reach, considering we've typically drafted very, very well in the first round throughout our history. I feel like trading for a position of need in the first round might be a reach. Hey, oh, hey, and guys, man, like if, if, if we trade back, I, it, there, there's an offensive tackle prospect that I am quite interested in. Uh, Christian Derrishaw from uh, Virginia Tech, he's offensive tackle. So, I mean, if, if 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 you believe in Sam Donald, you need to protect him. Don't 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 do don't do what you did with Cam. Look, Sam Donald ain't as mobile, and he will get killed. <laughs> but then you know the fans are gonna say. Oh, Teddy didn't have that offensive line that Sam Darnold had. <sighs> we just got to build offensive line around him. Man, that's Teddy. <laughs> Bump Teddy, man. So, uh, look, man. Guys, real think- quick. Real quick. I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, man, but I think we, we, we need to bring this up. So a couple of weeks ago, I told y'all about a rumor floating around that the Denver Broncos are interested in training for Teddy Bridgewater. Now, I don't know if that means the number nine pick. I think we all were like, oh, hell no. I wouldn't trade a number nine pick for Teddy Bridgewater. I think we all agree with that. But there is a strong rumor that the Denver Broncos are interested in Teddy Bridgewater. What do you think they would offer the Carolina Panthers realistically to get Teddy Bridgewater? I, I think a fourth rounder. I think a fourth rounder, and I'll take it. I'll gladly take it. I'll, I'll take anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what else are you going to get from him, uh, for him? I think a, a fourth round. Although I think I think Teddy could be worth maybe a third. That's about as high as – Conditional third. <laughs> Maybe I mean here's the, here's the thing. Despite what every Panthers fan thinks about Teddy Bridgewater, the fact remains is that he is a very solid NFL starter. There's no way of getting around that. He's not terrible or anything. He is a solid NFL starter. I mean, he, he got in Minnesota. We wouldn't even be having a line between average and below average. He's right I mean, on straddling that line. I, it, it, Teddy needs a team around him. To be good, okay. Exactly. That's the difference. He, I, I'm not sure if Teddy can quite elevate uh, a team. We saw what he did in New Orleans when he had, you know, a good Saints defense and a good offense around him. I mean, he went what five and zero. Same in Minnesota. Had a great defense there. Had some great offensive weapons. So, you know, I, if you're saying that a solid NFL starting quarterback. What is what is he worth? The most valuable position, maybe in all professional sports. Third, I think you could get a third for him. I, I think if if you're the Panthers, you try and get a third for him, and then uh, you know if they don't bar down, then you take the fourth. One thing kind of complicating that is that you you do owe him that money this year, and uh, they they could want you to take eat some of that money for that. For the third, but would you be willing to do that? No. <laughs> you know what? No. If the Panthers do that, 
I don't ever want to hear anything about Michael Jordan contracts ever again. <laughs> ever again. If we eat money off Teddy Bridgewater's $63 million deal after he done played one season, I don't want to hear anybody else talk about bad Charlotte Hornets contracts ever, 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 ever. Hey, man, look, look, look. Charlotte, Carolina, the Panthers are Charlotte's football team, man. I mean, they get the benefit of the doubt. The, the I think it's crazy. The Hornets are it. I think, you know, I think there's about to be a shift, though. Man, look, man, it's, look. The NFL hold is so strong, though, man. Like, yeah, but if if the Panthers, I, don't, I, I really don't see it fully flipping. It might be half and half, but it never. It, I don't think Charlotte will ever truly be a Hornets down again. I I agree with that. Uh, that it's it's not going to be like it was from 1988 to 2002. That was something special in the league, not just yeah. the city of Charlotte, but just like in NBA history. That was something special. I don't think we'll ever get that again. But I will say that with Cam Newton gone, the, the the Panthers don't have any stars, and I don't. I think the the fans would tolerate an average Hornet season more than they would tolerate an average or mediocre Panther season, mainly because the Hornets have the Mellow Ball, Miles Bridges. Um, people want to. People cannot wait to go back to games at the Spectrum Center to see those two guys play. There's yeah, there's nobody on the Panthers, and I'm like, man, I cannot wait to go to Bank of America Stadium. Man, State. look, look, look! I cannot wait to see Sam Darnold step back, and get sacked, man. I can do it. Yeah, <laughs> guys, man. So uh, we're gonna go transition on, man, to something a little more serious. Uh, so um, the George Floyd verdict uh, for Derek Chauvin came back, and uh, he was uh, found guilty on all three charges. Uh, I'm going to honestly say I was prepared for mayhem because history has shown us that this isn't the way that things go. How did you guys feel when the verdict came down? So I was uh, I was driving around, man, and I had my uh, CNN app open. Now, I do want to say throughout this whole trial, man, I, I purposely didn't pay any attention to the whole trial. Cause, like, I'm just you know, emotionally just done with all that stuff to keep it simple. But, you know, that day I obviously wanted to be in tune with the, with the verdict. You know, I wanted to see what it was, but I had my CNN app open and I was, you know, just, I was on pins and needles. You know what I mean? Like, I like, again, I had been interested in the whole thing, but that day I was on pins and needles. I was nervous. Um, <laughs> I was just patiently awaiting what that verdict was going to be, man. And when they read the verdict, I just exhaled. I, I just let out a big breath, like, man, like just one one time, one time out of a million, it's like, thank you. Thank God we got some form of justice. We'll wait for sentencing and we'll get to that conversation later. But it's just like, man, at, at least we got to this first step. At least we, we, we got to the point where some form of justice was served, man. And it was more so a relief. I wasn't overjoyed. I wasn't, you know, like doing backflips because of the vertical, whatever. It, I just let out an exhale. And I think a lot of people kind of felt the same way, man. Yeah, I was, I was a little surprised just because we've seen this movie, you know, a, 
too many times. Yeah, it, it feels like just, I mean, so I was a little surprised, but at the same time, I, I really think that this verdict came down to there was fear that there would be mayhem. We know, I mean, we knew the, the, the nation was going to explode if they found him not guilty. That, that was just going to happen. Yeah. And I think there's a part of me that thinks that the system, I'm trying to not get too tinfoil hattish here, but the system felt like Derek Chauvin could be a sacrifice in order to maintain some peace for once. Right. I mean, he's just one cop out of millions. And yeah, he didn't, I, you know, even other police officers aren't rushing to support him like we normally see yeah. because they say, you know, we saw the, the testimony during the trial. People are like, yeah, that's actually, that was a mess procedure. That's not what we do. Da, da, da. And so I think a lot of the, the system felt like, okay, we'll let them have Derek Shelvin. But, you know, Malcolm X has this, this great saying, one of my favorite quotes ever, don't stab me in the back with a 12-inch knife, pull it out six inches and call that progress. Mm. In fact, don't pull the knife out and call, that's not progress either. Progress yeah. comes with healing. Mm -hmm. And it's gonna take a long, long time. This, this was. Don't get me wrong. This, this was a great baby step forward. But like, like uh, Anthony said in the comment section, six more people were shot, killed by police across the nation in the 24 hours after the verdict. Um, we got a long way to go, and we can't, we can't be placated by this decision. Um, right. I, like I said, the system man felt like, okay, here, here, here's your sacrifice. Here's Derek Chauvin. Okay, that's not good enough. What about the next guy and the next guy? And we got to keep doing this until the whole system changes and, and until police work across the nation uh, is reformed. Uh, and it's it's going to take a lot of work. I, um, I want to I want to quickly speak to one point, man, because you, you before this, you know, you had a lot of people saying that hey, protesting doesn't work and rioting doesn't work and voting doesn't matter and this doesn't matter, this doesn't matter. Um, I think in this case, all of that mattered. Mm -hmm. Every every show of solidarity when it came to uh, not only just this case, but previous cases, I think it mattered to this. And, and, and like Kaz alluded to, man, I think the system felt that pressure from the people for once. Mm -hmm. And, you know, man, it's easy. And I'm speaking for myself. I, I don't know if I'm speaking for anybody else, man. It's easy to get numb to all of this. It's easy to stop caring about everything that's going on because we see it so much and it beats us down emotionally. But people have to keep continue to keep putting pressure on the system. And, and, and we can't get complacent and act like none of that matters because I believe all of that did matter, at least when it came to this case, man. Me personally, man, uh, I was on Clubhouse listening to something, just kind of talking with people about some some crazy stuff, like some top five small fours, all that, something like that. <laughs> and, they, and they were like, "Yo, they, they just announced they're gonna do the the, the Chauvin verdict," and I immediately kind of got sick because I, I I thought I knew it was gonna come. Right. And, then, and just sitting there, kind of watching it. Me and my wife just sitting in my uh, in my office. I, I got a tear to my eye because like. At first, because I, I I never in my lifetime, man, I, I'm old enough to remember Rodney King. We seen him get his tail whooped on camera, and they get vindicated and and let yeah. off, and, right. and, and other incidences. But then, but then later on, I immediately thought, man, like 
they're gonna be repercussions to this in the streets. Like you look at like Georgia, Georgia turn of blue, for instance. Like I, I told a lot of my friends in Georgia, I'm like, you can celebrate now, but the fight ain't over. Right. And immediately afterwards, you got the governor passing all these laws. You, you, you actually you go back and look at North Carolina after they turn blue. You go back, more gerrymandering, things to to to, to block you. The, the, essentially, I'm saying the fight isn't over at this point. There's going to be more pushback, and we have to be ready to withstand that pushback and, and kind of fight back at, at at a point. And it's it's. it's, it's I, I wish more people would kind of wake up and realize that point. Uh, to Anthony's point, uh, like Kaz has done, uh, says, six more people were shot. One run right here in Moorhead City, North Carolina. They 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 refusing to release the body the body cam footage and everything. We 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 have to come to the point where we get to the root of the issue, and we just kind of figure out where do we go from here at this point. And it's, it's 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 sad, but I mean, the fight ain't gonna be over in, in our lifetimes. It's you not, know what's crazy? Children. You mentioned Rodney King, and I remember that like it was yesterday. I, I remember the yeah, and and then I remember going to school and us watching the riots, uh, the L.A. riots, the day of yeah. after the verdict. That was thirty years ago, twenty nine years ago. What's changed? Nothing, Not much. nothing right. really changed in 30 years. And it, it, what's crazy, if you look at the 30 years prior to that incident from 1962 to 1992, nothing changed. Nothing changed. Cops still beating up, killing brown people in the street. It's, man, this is a, a deep rooted, it, the, the system is just, we're just, just so ingrained in our society. We're going to have to, to me, the fight gets harder from here. It really yeah. um, Because they're always going to, the system's always going to feel like they gave us one. Yeah. Right. I, I have to say this, man. Uh, the, the one thing that I will say, and I mean, do, do mean the one thing that I say is different kind of these days, more than it was 30 years ago. I'm, I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at a game that came on saying, I forget who was playing, man, but, uh, but Maria Taylor and Jalen Rose, who were, who were hosting like the pregame show, man, were very vocal about, you know, everything that went on in the George Floyd uh, trial. And y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, man, but I, I don't remember like, I don't know, sports personalities and major TV networks uh, being so outspoken about these issues. And I think that's the one thing that's progressing. And I may be wrong, you know what I mean? But I just kind of noticed that the ESPNs, the TNTs, Mainly the NBA guys, even even the MLB, uh, somewhat has been pretty vocal about at least this George Floyd trial, and and that's something I appreciate, man. And I and I hope that that's something that continues going forward, man. And that's a that's something I I appreciate a little bit. And and, and crazy, I was in LA last week, and, and I went on a tour, and they drove us past Florence and Normandy, where all that the, the Rodney King riots yeah. started. And nothing in those neighborhoods have changed in 30 years. Maybe, maybe a little of the, of the demographics you got instead of a little more black people, you got is 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 50-50 with brown now. And, and and something interesting, man. Like they they always bring up the the, the white truck driver that got beaten. Reginald Denny. Yeah. Did, did you realize that a, a black truck driver was beaten before him? 
No. They never. Never, they never mentioned that story. But I'm going to move on, man. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Um, Jamal, you want to talk about this South End story, man? Not really, man. Um, But <laughs> here, here we are. <laughs> oh god so um I, and please i want i want the audience to please forgive me man because i i i'm rushing home and i don't have this guy's name in front of me man but hey Roddy, I, I'll, I'll give you the name his name is uh joe franco joe franco some big wig ceo that's not even from charlotte said that the people read the, the the reason that people are moving to charlotte is because South End is so cool. South End. South End is the coolest place in Charlotte, North Carolina. And people and young professionals and yuppies are moving to Charlotte because of South End. Dude, I, I, like, I, I put this on Twitter, man. You cannot be more out of touch and tone deaf as that statement is. We are all we're three people that are diehard Charlotte. We have been here forever. To insult Charlotte, North Carolina like that, and and to put this this vanilla whitewashed neighborhood as the coolest thing in Charlotte is just flat out insulting. I I don't even know where to go from here, man. Kaza, how how many times have you been to South End to hang out? And, and I and I mean within the last Recently. five years. Let me make that clear. Okay, in the last five years. <laughs> There's a reason why I'm saying probably that. probably zero, maybe, maybe once uh, in the last decade. I don't know, two, three times, maybe. I mean, the, the thing, the thing is, this. you know, uh, the I, I'm I'm gonna butcher butcher the the phrase here, but uh, causation is not correlation. Mm-hmm. So just because young people are moving to South and in drones doesn't mean that people are moving to Charlotte because they want to live in South. Live in South End. They're moving to Charlotte, and if you're a young urbanite who wants to be in the city, there, there's really nowhere else to live. No. <laughs> South End. If you want to be, first of all, good luck getting a place like downtown. Downtown. Um, there's really nowhere to go to the east unless you start to go out towards like the Cockball area, and that's. First of all, that's too expensive for most young people to live, um, and it's a little further away. Whereas, you know, South End has kind of created this, uh, this, uh, yeah, it's like a like a train of condos from downtown all the way down to Remont Road. Also, the light rail runs along that route, yeah. so you know that helps as well. I don't think it, no, trust me, nobody, nobody in the world is going. Man, I need to move to South End. <laughs> nobody in Charlotte is saying, "Man, I need to move this out in." Nobody did. That, that just if, if, I, if I had to pick the last place I would live in Charlotte, it would be South End. And look, this is coming from a forty-year-old black man. Maybe it's different for a four twenty-five-year-old. I want to make that clear, but I think it's insulting, man, because Charlotte has other cool sections. And, and I hope right. that was kind of more of a middle finger to insult to those sections. You know, you know what I mean? Like, why does why does why does why does South End you know have to be? Why why does it have to be the place to be, man? Why why is there no mention of Nodal Plaza Midwood, who are way more inclusive and have way cooler things to do than South End? South End is just like this soulless place where. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. 
it, 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 it goes along the lines of this is where white kids are moving to. Not like, like, look, Charlotte is increasingly becoming more diverse. We are almost 50%. It's, 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 it's almost 50%. It's, we're about 40% black, 35, 40% black, and about 15% Latino. And Close to 40% black, yeah. That's what I'm saying. And, and it's just like, it's just like the, like, I, I, I look at articles online all the time, and it's crazy. Like, what does the average male in Charlotte wear? Well, the average male in Charlotte is probably a minority, and they don't wear what you're talking about. <laughs> right. it's, it's just always funny to me, and it's just like sometimes I'm not saying all, but but sometimes white people just kind of focus on their people group a lot, and just not inclusive of other groups. Like for as far as South End, man, like if, if you guys remember, like 20 years ago, you don't want to be you don't want to be caught. You, you, better, you better not be in South End tonight. Five years ago, you didn't want to be caught. <laughs> Down at the very end, down by where Remont Road is, you get wrong. You get wrong down there. And 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 it's just like it's just like these places are gentrifying quickly, and when they gentrify, they they become bland. They become the technically kind of meet the same people live there, right? And 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 it's just like you know, though. Hold on, I'm gonna give a little bit of pushback here. We're gonna shift the conversation a little bit. Oh. West West Boulevard, that shopping center that the, yeah. the that the feds have talked about seizing. Oh they yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They you need to. It, you know the intersection. You just hate that red light. The, yeah. I, that, that Chinese place been in business for forty two years. I don't know. God how. bless them. They selling <laughs> drugs or something out of that. I don't Definitely. know. But it, for those of you who don't know, uh, the FBI has come down and said that that particular intersection is what they've described as an open-air drug market. I think they said 21 drug-related shootings and deaths in the past decade. Mm. And to the point where they're talking about the federal government, allowing the federal government to seize that entire block and do something with it. You know, the, the details are murky because they're just talking about it right now. So... When I think about gentrification, it's always a double-edged sword. Imagine yeah. you live in that neighborhood. Wouldn't that sound like good? And I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm actually not a proponent of the government swooping down and taking private property. I, I don't I don't like that precedent. But you are a proponent of improving an area that yes. Yes. So, so yes. Let me ask you a question. Like a lot of the times gentrification includes like, okay, so we live in this neighborhood, this area, and we never had a grocery store, an adequate grocery store. We never had, we, we basically live in a food desert and everything like that. So gentrification is like you telling me you weren't valuable until white people moved in. I mean, that, that, that's fair. And, and I think there's a, there's a balance here. And gentrification is usually very unbalanced because what does gentrification usually do? It usually kicks us out first. There, there's usually not minimal improvements. There's always like this drastic. You know, exactly. There's always like this drastic change when it comes to gentrification. And I kind of fear that same thing is going to happen with that area Kaz is talking about, which, again, is a double edged sword because that area obviously needs to change. But. I fear that it's going to be so drastic and those property taxes are going to be so high 
that people's grandmothers and people's mothers who own houses for 34 years yeah. are going to be forced to move, man. And that's the that's the, 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 the people. The gentrification is not for the people that are in those areas already. Right. Mm -hmm. They are for people who have, in. exactly. Um, and that that's that's the only issue with gentrification I see. I if the federal government or the local state government does come down and seize that block, maybe, maybe someone will have a heart and gentrify it for the people that are already living there. Um, like you said, those mothers and grandmothers and families that have houses that they've owned, you know, house ownership, property ownership is not something that is prevalent in the black community, especially communities like that. Um, maybe we can find a way to make things better for those people and remove the uh, the, the criminal element uh, from those Kaza, areas. Cause I got a question for you. Got a quick question. Does capitalism have a heart? No, never. No. never. Okay. Never has. Money has no feelings. Hey, listen. <laughs> hey, listen, man. I, I want to make one more quick point about South End. About, I want to say 10 years ago, man, South End actually used to be cool. And speaking cool. Of, yeah, it was kind of cool. And this is where I'm talking about with drastic changes. Maybe 15 to 20 years ago, like we all said, you don't walk through South End at night 15 to 20 years ago. But 10 years ago, there was a balance and South End was a very diverse place to hang out. I remember there was a, there was a place called Apostrophe Lounge that that was black owned for a while. Because uh, you've been to Apostrophe Lounge. Apostrophe Lounge was a very cool place to hang out. Uh, there was a place called Dharma Lounge, Dharma which, was, which was very inclusive. Common Market. What, common Market. All these places. Very, that all of these places were very inclusive for everyone. Everyone was was welcome at these places, and as time went on and gentrification went on, and all the in this big ass building on the corner of of Camden and Tryon showed up, and 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 this other fancy food place next to it showed up, and these drastic changes start happening. It became less and less inclusive, and now you got these douchebags like this CEO saying that South End is the greatest thing on earth, man. So it's just interesting. Hey, as, long, as long as prices chicken coop. They better not move that. I'd then we good. That, and the gas station on East East Boulevard is yeah. south. I look. I got a hot take. I got a hot take. <laughs> I, I got a hot take. What's up? Prices chicken coop is average. It it, it might um, be. But I, it's a I, I, actually, I actually don't disagree with that. But it, it's it's iconic. It yeah. It's home south. Like you've been to L A G at Roscoe's while you were there. Hell no. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. All I heard about Roscoe's chicken and waffles, and when I moved, I lived in LA or the LA area in Orange County uh, back in 2003. Went to Roscoe's chicken and waffles. I'm like, serious? This? I, I look, when I ate at Roscoe's, I like, man, Midnight Diner better than this, man. I got another hot take. <laughs> LA is overrated, and the food is not that good. I, let me let me disagree with you a little bit. There are, I, I hate to say it like this, and I'm being a little facetious, where the common people live at in L.A. is very overrated. Yes. The beautiful parts of L.A. are more are more beautiful than I've ever seen, but we just can't afford to live there. I, 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 I kind of agree on the food, uh, although Anthony says the Mexican food. I mean, yeah, if you live out. Look, 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 the Mexican was good. 
Or, like, or I actually Fat Burger's average. <laughs> yeah, Fat Burger's pretty. Fat Burger was better before they became like this big. Now you can go to okay. bake and get a Fat Burger. Uh, uh, let me tell you real quick, y'all. I edited a restaurant in LA called Barton G. Barton G is like this famous chef. He has restaurants all over America. That is the best meal I've ever eaten. Now, LA food may be average, but Barton G is the best restaurant I've ever been to in my entire life, man. When I think it LA, I don't think I don't probably high the whole time. And, no, and I, I feel like compared to the other two giant cities, uh, LA and Chicago, LA compare uh, pales as far as food. But as yeah, far as the place to live, I mean, California for all its faults is a good. I mean, you can you can literally do anything within like twenty minutes. You want to go on the beach? Twenty minutes. You want to go skiing? Twenty minutes. Look, look, look. You want to you want to drive three hours to Las Vegas for and spend the day there and spend all your money? You can do it. You want to go down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you you want to get shot at? Go to Compton. I mean, there's everything. <laughs> look, man. Look, look, look. You say twenty minutes. That that normal twenty minute drive in L.A. is an hour and twenty minutes. That's if if you take all the tourist freeways. If you take the Santa Monica part of the four hundred five, yeah, those the, the traffic there is dumb. Right, look, look, I, 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 I am not driving through blood territory, crip territory, <laughs> uh, MS thirteen territory just to get to the beach. Hey, that's, I, that's my life. My, my, my life is worth a little that's more. The risk. Hey, one time I got lost in Inglewood. And dog, I yeah, I was like Paul Pierce saved me. Like it was, it was, it was very tense. Cass was looking at my car like, and my car had North Carolina tags on it too at the time. So Cass was looking at my car like, yo, who the fuck is is right? <laughs> well, North Carolina, cuz. We're gonna get into some, some shout outs, man. You want to go first, guys? Uh, I'll go first, man. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna give a shout out to to Kev Cohart, man. Uh, Rest in it's, peace. It's, 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 it, I, look, I, I know people that know him, and I, 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 it's tragic the way that he passed, man. Uh, from what from from my vantage point, he was a good father to his three children. Uh, he had his boys with him all the time, man. And I, 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 I'm more so hurting for his children, who who lose a role model, lose a father who was heavily involved. Uh, especially as a black man, it, 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 look, yeah, he might have had this incident with the baby, but there, there's never no celebrating the death of a black man. At, at this not, not a, a true, a true charlatan. Charlotte represented Charlotte, uh, like anyone's. Uh, and on another summer note, uh, Shock G passed, yeah, yeah, from Digital Underground fame. Man, I you guys who don't remember the Humpty Dance, <laughs> and it's funny because the Humpty Dance is how we all remember Digital Underground, but they had such a huge impact on the evolution of hip hop yep. in the 90s, and that was Shot G. Super talented guy, could rap, could play all the instruments, uh, it, you know, and he was Humpty Hump. Something that I didn't know as a kid, I didn't realize they were the same, even the same dude until I didn't either. I didn't either. That's the same guy. Um, go listen to his verse on um, uh, We're All in the Same Game. Yeah, go listen. To his, I think he had the best verse uh, on that. Also, the piano solo on Do What You Like. Uh, just a really talented guy. I, I, I hate to see another dead rapper, I hate it, but yeah. Man, uh, rest in peace, Shock G, man. Rest in peace, Cam Cohart, man. Shock G, 
I just want to talk more about his talent, man. He actually produced a couple of Tupac records. There is no Tupac yeah. without Shock G. I want to make that very yeah. clear, man. Uh, Shock G was a mentor to Tupac. Um, like Tyler said, an extremely talented guy, man, more than just a rapper. I mean, he he was kind of a savant when it came to hip-hop music, man. He could produce any type of record, which he did, and he doesn't get enough credit for, man. So, man, I'm 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 tired of saying recipes to some rapper every week, man. It, it's 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 too much, man. I do also want to give a shout out to clutchpoints.com. I cannot believe what I read yesterday. I, the apocalypse is upon us. A national media outlet gave Michael Jordan some credit. I, I cannot believe it. Oh my God. Clutch Points gave Michael Jordan uh, an apology of some sorts for, for national media critici overly criticizing the Terry Rozier contract. Uh, Clutch Points went on to say that that was. That was a mistake on the national media's part. The Terry Rozier is actually working out very well for the Hornets. I cannot believe it. I don't know how much the Hornets paid clutch points. It is it is just so surprising to finally see some objectivity from a national media outlet. Shout out to clutch points, man. Oh man, look, man, look, Shot G produced so many tears by Tupac. Yes. Yeah. My favorite Tupac song. My favorite Tupac yeah, one song. Of my favorite, yep. And, oh man, look, I, I got a shot at man. Uh, it's, 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 it happened in Greensboro this past week. Uh, it was a board meeting. Uh, a doctor, a black doctor, had her name there. Yeah. And, uh, one of the one of the board members refused to call her by doctor. And did this did this did I, 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 okay. I am in grad school, and I just recently did a project on on just kind of basically implicit bias and stuff like that. And it's just like uh, sometimes it's just, it's just it's no matter how educated we are, our socioeconomic status, we're just still kind of there's still prejudice against us, man. It goes back to what we said earlier: work still has to be done at this point, man. Yeah, we have to be intentional and, and, and demand the respect that we deserve. Pretty much, I'm done. Any other shout outs and shout outs? Uh, Chris, uh -oh. Young MC was whack, dude. Who? Young MC. Chris said Young MC does verse my own game. Young MC was trash. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> no. Hey, a, a real quick point on, on Young MC. The only the only rapper in the history of the Source magazine to get one mic. <laughs> Look it up. Ooh. Ooh. One mic? Hey, I, I'll one. take some of that Boston Move money, though. Listen, the name of the album was Return of the One Hit Wonder, and the source gave him one mic. Wow. Yep. All I need is one mic. One mic. No, no, no. Not, not that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys. And, 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 and finally, before we go, man, shout out to the, the family of Earl Simmons. Uh, uh, yeah. the, the, funeral, the funeral was the day. The memorial was yesterday, man. I watched um, it on YouTube. It was, it was pretty cool. I'm, I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Kanye his credit that that, that choir is pretty dope. And uh, thank you guys for watching, man. You have a wonderful day, and thank you for your continual support of under construction. Yeah. Peace out, fellas. Next week, see you next week, bro.